0: i Jan Swift, and you're listening to Discover Lafayette, a podcast dedicated to the people and rich culture of Lafayette, the gateway to South Louisiana. Our taping is made possible with the support of Raider, a hands-on IT service provider that integrates all of your needs for advanced technical support, effective communication options, and cybersecurity. Raider's motto is, you just want it to work, we understand. Please visit RaiderSolutions.com for more information. The generosity of Oxner Lafayette General also makes this podcast possible. As Acadiana's largest regional health system, including two teaching hospitals and the region's only level two trauma center with more than 5,500 employees, Oxner Lafayette General strives to put patients first and make caring their top priority. In continuous efforts to reach more patients, Oxnard Lafayette General provides services throughout Acadiana and facilitates telemedicine throughout the state, making healthcare more accessible for everyone. For more information, visit OxnardLG.org. We're proud to welcome our newest sponsor, Home Bank, where you'll not only find trusted financial advisors, but neighbors who will help you stay ahead of identity thieves. Home Bank encourages you to limit the use of paper checks, which contain your personal or business information, along with your bank account number. When possible, choose to pay with cash, debit, or credit cards, or with your phone's mobile wallet. Learn more at Home24Bank.com. Our guest is guitarist and lyricist Dustin Gaspar, who recently released Hoping Heaven Got a Kitchen, A prayer to the memory of his grandmother and grandfather who raised him in Cow Island. Raised on vintage 50s and 60s soul and swamp pop and other traditional folk sounds, Dustin is an alternative folk songwriter and frontman vocalist for rock and soul group DG and the Freetown Sound. In 2019, Dustin was the second recipient of the South Louisiana Songwriters Festival Scholarship, which introduced him to acclaimed songwriters from around the world. I'm thrilled to welcome you, Dustin, and have you journey and share everything about your latest release and also how you got here. Because I've read online, you you really have an interesting story. So thank you for joining us today.
1: Interesting and strange. Thank you for having me.
0: Well, who doesn't? But some Uh, have more
1: (laughs) to share than others. I want to let you know, I've never heard... Uh, such an elegant introduction, well, <laughs> and I'm glad that this is recorded because I will I will use that well, relentlessly. It's my now. pleasure.
0: <laughs> so you reached out to me, and I have to tell you, um, this is why I'm doing Discover Lafayette. My my whole goal, and love, is to share our local talent, our culture, and the people that make the world go around. And it's really fun to have a relaxed setting to where you don't have to just have a two-minute soundbite where you can really share where you came from and what what motivates you.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I completely agree, and that's why it piqued my interest. And uh, I appreciate you for doing things like this. So So you grew up in Cow Island. Cow Island, Louisiana, Southern Vermilion Parish. I was about to ask, where is
0: that? (laughs)
1: Yeah, it's between a couple of crawfish ponds and cane fields, Mm -hmm. all the way out there in the middle of the marsh, or near the marsh at least. But um, a lot of my childhood takes place between all of deep south Vermilion Parish, south of 14. Uh,
0: And you don't have a a deep accent, though.
1: Well, uh, living, when I, when I, Traveled over to Lafayette. I my first roommate was from uh, West Virginia, so he had this <laughs> very strange uh, hill to know, us honest, yeah. the hill accent. Mm-hmm. I will say, and I feel like um, it balanced me out. It it sharpened all my flat mm-hmm. accent, and uh, so yeah, that's I guess how I've I've come to terms with this accent that I carry yeah. now. What brought you <clears throat> to Lafayette? Music strictly. Everything, Mm -hmm. music. It was the biggest city nearest me. I didn't own a vehicle at the time and um it was also never too far from home, so if anything ever went sideways I could, you know, hitch a ride back. Right.
0: So I read online about um you had some voice issues, Mm -hmm. you had kind of strained your vocal yeah. cords, yeah. and if you can talk some about that, I've been through that before myself. Have and once you? you get it, yeah, I got yeah. really sick about ten years ago. Yeah. Without getting into details, I think I'd had the flu, but then I didn't stop and rest, yeah. and so my throat was inflamed. And then yeah. I found that it really, I lost my voice for quite a while, and it, it never really came back quite the same. Yeah, it, it's, so for a singer, that's not a good for you. That's not a good situation.
1: I, I it was the the hardest probably some of the hardest parts of my life was uh, just dealing with the fact that I couldn't be who I was. And that was a singer. Um, I mean, by, by my definition, at least I couldn't get out what I wanted to say or, or inflect the things that I wanted, wanted to, um, to speak on and sing about. Mm -hmm. And uh, usually, the majority of it came from abuse of, uh, you know, self-infliction. I was just out every night drinking and partying. Talking too loud. Talking yeah. too loud over mm-hmm. crowds and crowds. And uh, there's something about the, the youth of, of that that kind of just the flame burned mm-hmm. really quickly. Um, on top of it all, I was... I, I really was... I, I'm a self-taught vocalist, so everything that I was doing... Um, and performing as I, I was not doing it correctly, so I was I was damaging my own vocal cords. Um, How so? Like just, uh, uh, just based on delivery and, and health. I was never mm-hmm. hydrated enough. I was never doing vocal exercises or warm ups. It was always shooting from the hip with the entire mm-hmm. with the whole situation. I I thought that's that's what you do, uh, and I would soon learn that. It's an instrument. Your your voice is an instrument, and just if you like can, your guitar, exactly. Yeah. So yeah. you're gonna you're gonna change strings. You're gonna tune it up. You're gonna mm-hmm. clean it. You're gonna take care of it. And those are just things that I never right. I, I, I didn't consider, especially when I was you know eighteen, mm-hmm. starting to do this and moving here and doing that. So. Well,
0: how would you get on track? Like, what did that motivate you to oh, take most care of yourself? Certainly.
1: Um, I I I was in and out of an EMT doctor in town. And then I went see a specialist and in, in Baton Rouge. And they did a lot of uh, cameras through my nose and looking at my voice. And what we learned was um, I'd always had uh, a vocal instability. Uh, one of my vocal cords actually has to work extra hard mm-hmm. uh, because the other one is uh, kind of lodged into place. So... What was actually happening was uh, it was over. The one side was overcompensating and wore the lining of my vocal cord. And what the doctor basically told me was, "Hey, you've mm-hmm. you've worn yourself into a circle. You know, you've you, you've you've worn the tread off of these the the, the vocal cords here. So uh, it'll never be the same." And what he recommended was that I just take time off mm-hmm. and uh, not speak. I think I didn't talk for two months. Two months. Two whole months. Eight weeks. I was completely silent, writing down all of my conversations. Uh, it was It was very interesting. I was thinking like a time for reflection. And that's when it really, all of that really took place. And um, there was a long spell of sobriety, too. I, I, I was sober for a year after that from anything and everything and was... Really just, when I started singing again, I was using the vocal regimen um, that was recommended and Mm -hmm. the vocal exercises on how to rebuild this strained muscle, essentially. And um, it was limiting. So in the recovery process, it kind of just showed me, it limited me and made me be more creative with uh, where my range was, Uh where I was actually capable of singing. so. So when was that? That would have been... I know it was before the solo fest. Yes, that would have been probably 2015, 2016. Mm -hmm. So by the time 2019 rolled around,
0: you must have really gotten yourself not only on track, but you attracted the attention of the the principals behind the South Louisiana Songwriters Festival. And for people that don't know what that is, I mean, this is an incredible opportunity to showcase your talent. Yeah. And you, you were given a scholarship. Yes,
1: yeah, and it was...
0: Like you got to meet with a lot of important
1: songwriters. It was the most amazing festival. I, I, I The whole rehab process took about a year and a half. For your voice. For my voice mm-hmm. to get back to basically ground zero. And then from that, it was um, trying to extend myself. And in the meantime, like I said, I was, I was writing more thoughtful songs, And just thinking about myself as a songwriter, like if I am not capable of of all the vocal athleticism that I Mm -hmm. was capable of before, then I was going to be limited to being a folk songwriter and really honing my craft uh, and lyrics Mm -hmm. and and how I was going to convey myself as an artist. And it's a softer delivery. Yes, exactly. Softer, yeah. I I wasn't, I couldn't be. I, I don't know how to explain it except to say vocally athletic. Yeah. Uh, I, I lost a complete range on both ends of my voice. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it just, it made me sit down, write songs, and I think become a better songwriter, which led to the whole solo fest thing. Mm-hmm. It, it also made me think about my career in, a, it, rather than day to day, you know, in a longer instance. Yeah. And what did I want to plan for? How did I, how did I want to be perceived as a songwriter? And, 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 musician. Mm -hmm. Um, So the solo fest thing, the way it all turned out was I was randomly on the internet one evening and saw that there was an opportunity for it. So I just applied on random Mm -hmm. um, because it's, it's very rare in South Louisiana that songwriters have any true, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? If you're not a Cajun or Zydeco musician from here, there's really not much um, attention paid to you. And that's just... Well, it, it has a lot to do with the culture and what we represent. And we're about a good time and having a good time. And uh, you can't really dance to a, a sad boy singer-songwriter. <laughs> and uh, there's a time and a place for that, I think, I, I, which I believe is... Some mm-hmm. of the credence to why Solo Fest was invented, and it was a way for um, singer-songwriters from around the world to come here yeah. and experience the Louisiana culture, mm-hmm. but also for the rooted singer-songwriters from the area to be a part of something that, where they were right. never really recognized before. I've had Mark
0: Falgu on yeah. the show, and uh, along with Mark Broussard. Yeah. They were principals. Mm-hmm. I mean, Mark still is. I don't know the latest on this. You can update us in a minute. But I know Mark Broussard was the first year. He was really big in yep. promoting this mm-hmm. because of what you're saying. Because yeah. it can be difficult yes. to get your career started here. And uh, we want to see
1: people stay here. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, And that's the biggest thing. As a songwriter, you at the moment, you have to leave. Uh, to, for uh, for alternative types yeah, of music, yeah, yeah, for alternative types, yes, correct. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was one thing that Mark told me. I've had a Mark Broussard that I've had a conversation with him, and he said, unfortunately, this is just the way that it is. We are in a a very specific bubble that uh, lifts, and rightfully so, the Cajun cultural music, the Zodico music, that <laughs> is in the forefront. That is. Uh, it is a dying thing, so I understand why it's super necessary to keep alive. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes the sacrifice that you're making is other art; it goes unrecognized. Yeah.
0: So, what was that experience like? And I'm assuming you grew as an artist oh, because Solo of the Fest. connections that you yes. made at Solo Fest.
1: So, Solo Fest. Uh, it opened my eyes to the fact that, um, oh my, so many things. Just. The world of songwriters, I especially me, just being from the middle of nowhere, marsh, Cajun country, mm-hmm. um, r- writing, you know, folk music, alternative folk music. Um, it just showed me that the same uh, connection and uh, network that the Zodico and Cajun artists have here, songwriters have that th- around the entire world, oh. and. Uh, all these artists were coming to me and sharing their stories, their experiences, their writing styles. And it was something that I immediately related to and was, oh, I mean, just blown away by. Uh, it was exciting. I, I, I couldn't, I, yes, it was just, I didn't feel, I don't want to say it like this, but it just made me feel less alone mm-hmm. and uh, like there was much less to overcome. Because uh, they all had to start somewhere too. Exactly. Right. Yeah. yeah. And they were here, I, and it was cool. I was like the hometown tour guide essentially. I was just walking around showing uh, friends that I would I would become friends with people from Ireland who mm-hmm. were in a part of the festival or Canada, and you know I was. Oh, the Daverns. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I was getting to show them. Like the importance of the blue moon and other small venues and Mm -hmm. atmosphere and the open mic nights and, you know, the cool things to do in Lafayette and why it's such a beautiful city and it's a, it's a cultural hybrid and the hub city of everything in South Louisiana. So that whole experience, I will never forget. And I will be forever extremely grateful for Mm -hmm. for Create Lafayette and, uh, and Kate uh, Kate Durio Durio, who helped me out with that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. they were so supportive, of me and they gave me that opportunity and it's opened it continues to open doors for me still.
0: Thank goodness you saw that. Just random I know you were and,
1: and it was so bizarre. It was I've never won anything in my whole life. So you had to like give your uh like a song, you had to submit yes, yeah, a Yes, yeah, you basically yeah, and then there there was a a vetting process of some sort where it just if you're qualified or not and um, Gosh! And, and yeah, and so they they came, They showed up at work one day with a, a plaque that's you know was this was a framed scholarship saying, oh, "Hey, wow. you know, your submission is actually paid for, and you're going to be able to spend the whole week just writing wow. songs and experiencing this." Which was, I, I really cried. I'm thinking about it right now. Is mm-hmm. and Mark was there. He he Falgu delivered it with Roddy Romero, who was oh, like my wow. idol at the yeah. time, and still is. I mm-hmm. love Roddy. So for them to just uh, approach with that and that opportunity, gosh, Mm -hmm. I've written so many songs about that experience, and I have so many friends that are soul sisters and soul brothers Mm -hmm. to me uh, from Canada and Ireland, too. I I went tour in Ireland because of that. Are
0: you (laughs) Irish? No, just, nope, uh,
1: just Canadian. Well, Acadian. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I've made good friends with my Irish buddies, and mm-hmm. I went to spend a lot of time up there opening up for him and playing music out there, which right. was just... I, that would have never been impossible without Solo Fest.
0: Before we move on, I want to say two things. I, ask a question and, and say something, but Mark Falgu was really the driving force behind this Solo Fest, yep. and I would speak to him outside of... The workplace. I remember seeing him at Red's one day and he mm-hmm. was telling me the real deal behind it. I mean, he had to raise a ton of money. Yes. Yeah. It yeah. wasn't an easy feat. No, not at all. To pull that off. It wasn't like somebody just handed the blue moon and Mark mm-hmm. Falgu $150,000. Right. So yeah. to pull it off, was really a work of inspiration, and, and I think divine intervention.
1: Yeah, most certainly. And yeah. it was really cool to see his passion behind the project. Mm-hmm. Knowing him as the owner of the Blue Moon, but then seeing him as a fan of singer songwriters and just songwriting in general, right. uh, and the the uh, just the dedication that he was uh, he was always out there helping us out in whatever way mm-hmm. he could, making sure we were comfortable and. And he was asking me if I was having a good time, and I could just never be so grateful. Cloud nine. It was, gosh, amazing. Have
0: they done it? I I should know this, but I don't. Did they do this during the COVID shutdown? No, they
1: have not. They haven't
0: done it since 2019. That's what I thought. So Sarah Duga Duga was Mm -hmm. first, and then you. Yeah. So I'm hoping that they can...
1: You yes. Yeah, I'm hat. hoping to um, yeah. wherever the funding needs to come from. And if Mark, if anybody's hearing this, whatever I need to do to make that happen, mm-hmm. just for others, just for other people to experience yeah. it, and um, it's unbelievable.
0: Yeah. Well, look, um, Dustin. Before we move on, I'd like to pause and listen to a clip. From an interview we did with Sarah Dugas, who Mm -hmm. was the first winner of this, uh, the 2018 recipient of the South Louisiana Songwriter Festival Scholarship, Sarah always knew her calling was to sing and write, tell stories, and make people feel loved and seen. So she's got a similar story to you. Yeah, she's, she's just awesome. This moment is made possible by FACET, which offers career transition services and executive coaching. They've done so for 40 years. FACET's goals are to provide consistent, exceptional value by utilizing a holistic, tailored, and results-based approach to support candidates on their career journey. Visit facetgroup.com for more information. We people, your success, and now the moment.
2: Do you ever see yourself just being a writer and not performing, or do you think you're gonna always perform? I'm gonna always perform. It's totally yeah. But I'm different than any other artist that I've met or come across. Is that songwriting to me is just as important as being an artist. Mm -hmm. And like I love, I've written like pop songs, I've written rock songs, I've written rap songs. Like I have. I have with solo. We've got yeah. I've got one that has like some rap influence in it. I love that. I love producing all sorts of music. I just love music. Now, obviously, the way I talk, I am not going to be cutting a rap song. <laughs> but it's just, That'd I, I be would hate to. Maybe. <laughs> Good. You don't know. Sugar did it. Why can't yeah. I do it? You know? And I do cover that song sometimes. But, um, no, I... It, to me, they're equally as important, almost like Dolly. You know, Dolly Parton did that. She loves to write, and her one of her biggest country songs became one of the biggest pop songs of all time, I Will Always Love You, Whitney Houston. So I, I would never, like, limit myself to one thing or the other, but performing is where I get my heart filled.
0: Welcome back to Discover Lafayette with Dustin Gaspar. So let's fast forward. You have a new album you just released. Mm-hmm. And this is one of many works you've done. But yeah. I know this is a real labor of love.
1: Yes. And this is the first true full record album that I've done. Uh, conceptual, top to bottom, more than four or five songs. So
0: mm-hmm. Hoping Heaven Got a Kitchen. Hoping Heaven Got a Kitchen. Yes, ma'am. Talk about that.
1: Um, the way it started was... Um, Chad Vietar, who is my engineer, producer, friend, guitar player, he and I were working together, and a matter of fact, we were working on some music that came out of the solo fest, and some ideas and inspiration that I had on um, indie folk, alternative folk music, very uh, ambient soundscape listening, um, very nice and fun stuff, and, and I was just thinking about we were recording a few songs, and I remember thinking that no, it's going to be so hard to get people to listen to that record around here because because it's it's unrelatable. It's the tangibility is uh, I don't know how to put this without sounding too metaphoric, but it was it's a dream away and and it it's it's also a dream for me to make music like that mm. but to, to get people over there I need it to uh, have like a, a stopgap a bridge in between the ideas and the songs almost it, it, it to to develop your Palette, I guess I would say, like that first step. Like Ex- I'll taste it. Let me yes, see. Yes, yes. Yeah. Instead of diving in on a full record that was dreamscape folk music, I I was talking to Chad about, and I mean I've had I've had a band called the Freetown Sound, which mm-hmm. is funk and soul and rock and roll, and the reason that band was developed actually was so I could um, immediately break through the scene here mm-hmm. and make that tangible. That You'll relatability. Do, you do cover songs, or we, that do cover all original, songs, oh. we do cover songs. We do original music. Um. It's fun music. I mean, yes, you can it listen is. To it on your and website, that's, exactly. And, and the shows are performances, and they're high energy, and blues, and rock and roll, and and dancing, which yeah. is what the Louisiana people are all about. So, what I wanted, what I was talking to Chad about, was finding something that was in between. How do I fuse these two? Not necessarily fuse the genres. But what fits in between the two of these? And what came of that was Hope in Heaven Got a Kitchen. Uh, and at the time, I was listening to a lot of folk songwriters that were doing the same thing, venturing out, maybe doing more blues and rock and roll stuff, or, or maybe they were doing more folk traditional, heavy folk traditional instrumentation and such. And so I took the idea and, and thought, well, you know, it is this kind of music, it's Essentially, swamp pop is kind mm-hmm. of like that. So, I thought that maybe doing some swamp pop songs. Originally, that's how the idea started: was doing some swamp pop songs that my grandparents had listened to, that it, had spun on records when I was a kid. Uh, that's basically the foundation of music in my heart. Mm-hmm. I thought maybe doing those songs with like a more acoustic instrumentation would embellish and kind of outline what I am as a songwriter. Mm-hmm. And from that, it just became, I can write songs. Why not write as many songs as possible? And um, I ended up writing a song thinking about my grandfather because he wasn't doing well at the time. And he was the biggest influence in my life. And um, as far as becoming a man and having character and... and um, yeah, I, he he was he was everything for me. And and all these all the music and the reason that I play music is essentially to have him dancing anyway and uh make him and my grandmother proud. So he wasn't doing well and I was kind of writing poetry and take me with you uh one of the so- the first song that's on the record uh was the first one to come from that and it just started to snowball. And in the meantime, uh, he wasn't doing much better, and he'd end up passing on later on that year. And oh, I God. I just thought, I need to make this whole record for my mm-hmm. grandparents. Mm-hmm. I need to cement their legacy, and, and I need to make it the way to ground it and make it tangible and cement myself and my legacy as an artist as well as what's important to me, which is my family and my history and my culture. Mm-hmm. I needed to make a record for all of that. And that's what I did. And we just kept making music. And mm-hmm. Chad and I talked about all the songs. And we just, we we started in January of 2020. Yeah, we started oh, wow. talking about it in January so of 2020. twenty. have really been working on this. Yeah, that well. and then we really put it into effect mm-hmm. in the following year, in Is January a, of 2021. He's a co-writer with you? Uh, no. Uh, he just, I, I give him the ideas and communicate it as best I can, and he makes it uh, legible for the rest of the artists to uh, digest it. Can you write
0: music? I mean, I, I cannot, heard, no. I know you said you were self-taught, yeah, so no. you know the tune. And I'm, I don't know how to write music, yeah. so I'm, I'm really ignorant on this, but you know what you want it to sound like. Yes, But you exactly. needed someone to create the sheet yes, yeah, yeah, that yeah, would tell yeah. others yes. how to play it. Yeah. How does this flow from you? Like, how were you inspired? I know your family inspired you, but how does the actual... Creation flow. Um,
1: That's an amazing question. I.
0: Do you have to sit down and think, or does it just kind of come? No, melody melody
1: has always been existent in my in my life. Um, I think my mother liked to kind of sing here and there. I'm sure it's what you experience. It starts before you're. Before you're born Like it's in your DNA Most of the time And I feel like When I was in the womb I'm sure The songs Were getting through To me somehow Um, My grandpa Would walk around The house Singing And scatting Little tunes Little made up Fable tunes Did he whistle? He did He was a whistler I can picture that Or hear that And he he dabbled With harmonica From time to time Um, So you just grew up That was just Yeah What you knew And And you know He was I I'd like I'd like to think that he was really into birds and mm-hmm. and uh knowing their voices and their songs and being able to identify a bird like mm-hmm. that and I feel like something about him picking up on that I inherited and and Change that to song and and, and melody and mm-hmm. what we create. So,
0: so it was your the ear. Yes, yeah. My dad had that. Yeah. Um, he had the ear. He never was trained, but could play piano. Some, he, not like you play guitar, but it was all. It's natural.
1: Yeah, sometimes it's there, and uh-huh. you can. It resonates. Like it, it'll, it'll resonate in your head as much as your chest. Mm-hmm. Like you can feel when something's off or when it's on. That's always been easy for me. Um, I, I don't, I don't know how I got that. I, but I think, I think a lot of people in my family are that way. Even my dad. He's, he's by no means musical at all. But if he tried to sing. I don't think it's not going to be off. He's actually going to sing in key, mm-hmm. which is so bizarre. Yeah. And, and none, of, none of my family is musicians at all. Um, I had a great uncle that played accordion and another great uncle that, you know, fooled around on guitar a little, but mm-hmm. nobody was musicians. Everybody dances and and... Um, they're they're all rhythmically rhythmically inclined mm-hmm. um, and they'd never lack there. Well,
0: how many um songs do you have on hoping haven't got a kitchen
1: S- uh, so technically it's twelve songs. uh three of those songs are actually just interludes where uh the first one is um uh, just a guitar, an old blues guitar. And uh, the voiceover is my grandfather telling a story. We had, we had taken the audio from a video when he was alive. Oh,
0: you have that? Yes.
1: Oh, yeah. wow. And um, to, to, I guess to speak to the songwriter part of me, too, is, like I said, he would never sing, but uh, my grandfather and then his grandfather, Paul Ulysses, they were known to be great storytellers. Pablo Ulysse uh, w- lived in Pecan Island, and um, there was no TV or anything back then, but everybody would gather around on, on a porch, and Pablo Ulysse would tell old stories, and he would be so animated and uh, charismatic with the entire thing. And that carried on to my grandfather, which I think carried on to me, but I just, I get to develop it through mm-hmm. songs.
0: Um, were they French-speaking? Yes,
1: yeah, they were all French-speaking.
0: Did you pick up on that? I did
1: not. And, and it's it, I have a line in one of the songs um, where I reference that. I really wish... I really wish I would have learned Cajun French. Uh, It's so important. It is so important. And that is another thing that I learned for the solo fest. Um, Vivian Roy, who she actually sings on the record, she's a part of a band called Les Hay Babies, who is from, they're from the Canada area. And they all sing in Cajun French or Mm Quebecois. And um, she was explaining my heritage to me and how important it is to them as much as it is to us down Mm -hmm. here. And while she's saying that, I'm thinking two things simultaneously. One, I need to allow her to meet my grandfather. I needed to bring her out there with the rest of the band. And then two, I need to learn the Cajun language, and I need to sing with it too because it's just so poetic and such a different delivery and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so close to the, the to my heart for sure.
0: I've had a few guests on the show. It's it's amazing. They've been to Saint-Anne, you know, mm-hmm. um, yeah. in Nova Scotia. Yeah. And you can get immersed, I think it's like a year, but yeah. Lindsay Smythe had opened up a French, you know, school yep. for little people. I was people. looking at that earlier and today. Sunset um, Louis Michaud. Yeah. From the Lost Bayou Ramblers. I mean, he didn't speak French. He nope. went to Saint-Anne and, I mean, he got it. Because mm-hmm. I think you would get it, you would pick it up
1: quickly. Yeah, yeah certainly.
0: Not easily, but I mean, yeah. I think if you really immersed yourself, it would yeah. just be like your songwriting. I think yeah. it would just come out. Well, you know? and
1: I, I love singing the language. I think it's, when, you, when you're when you doing something like that, just like when I lost kind of vocal range, it, you, it makes you... Think more creatively. Like, what are the tools that you have in the box now, mm-hmm. and and how good can you be with them? Mm-hmm. Um, so when when I was uh, trying to flex my French on the record, I had a lot of help, but <laughs> I would love to be able to do it uh, and and just get my uh, grammatic. Mm -hmm. my grammatical issues corrected later on. Well,
0: you've got plenty of time. I hope so. (laughs) I think this is going to happen. Well, I know that you're debuting. You're going to be at the ACA. If you can tell us about this, about Mm -hmm. your performance that's coming up.
1: Yes. uh, We will be performing uh, the entire record, top to bottom. Probably not in that order, just because I have some ideas to tell the story a little differently. Um, Sweet Cecilia of... Cecilia? The... Beautiful, lovely ladies. Uh, Megan, Kelly, and Laura will be opening up. Um, and they're good friends of mine. And they'll be singing with me, too. Um, when as you say ba- we,
0: that's who you yes. mean, we? Yes, yeah.
1: Okay. Um, so, yeah, their band will open. We're going to be playing with a full band. Everybody from the record, almost everyone from the record is returning to perform it live. And, um, yeah, it starts at 7 p.m., it's going to be a magical evening, and what's uh, the date? The... March thirty-first, okay. Thursday.
0: Is this the, one of the biggest things? You've this done? is the
1: absolute biggest show that I've ever performed for. What um, a beautiful venue! for Yes, you. yeah, yeah. And as a, like I said, as a singer songwriter, you don't get granted too many of these opportunities, and I'm really lucky that the ACA worked with me uh, relentlessly to to make this happen, mm-hmm. uh, and. And, and yeah, I'm looking forward to it just because uh, it's so different. You know, playing. I moved here just to play open mic nights, and I was I watched a songwriter that captivated me, and it made me think. When I, when I was 17 years old, I thought if I can do what he is doing for me right now, this inspiration, this he made time stop. If I can do this for anybody else, that is a a gift and and then i could also sh- share my story and my heart and, and be completely um, content with everything mm-hmm. in life that's exciting
0: are tickets still available tickets
1: are still available uh center for the arts.org yeah uh, just scroll down find mm-hmm. our show and you'll should be able to click on it
0: yeah. i have to share this with you I, I hope it doesn't sound too silly but last night i had the opportunity to watch tv my husband's he left on a ski trip, so I've got like five days where he doesn't oh, yeah. watch a lot of TV. So I put on YouTube, like, you know, mm-hmm. I've got nothing to do and all day to do it. Last night, and I saw this special on the Carpenters, and it's similar to what you were talking about with the, the folk songwriting. They were like in the late 60s when everybody, they thought, was into hard rock mm-hmm. and loud,
1: kind mm-hmm. of crazy
0: music, and they were the exact opposite yeah. of that. Beautiful you know yeah. complimentary voices that weren't loud they were it was just from the heart yeah and i think about what you're doing yeah. and so it seems like an uphill battle but sometimes when it's right it's just right yeah yeah and you, you, know? you
1: can't let it go yeah, keep yeah. that conviction and uh yeah that integrity for the for the art itself
0: yeah well i had a, a couple of questions i don't know if we may have covered this but um Do you start off, I was asking about the creation. Do you come up with the poetry first, if you can explain that? Or is it more the the tune and then the
1: the story comes? Usually it's one-liners. Like being um, a singer-songwriter, that job never turns off. Uh, It's consistent, and it's it's always taken place. I, I might hear a melody from one song, And, uh, I have just trained myself or, or maybe it's just second nature to me to like lock that back into my subconscious. So the, the music, uh, is kind of like a catalog that stays uh, in the back of my mind. And sometimes when I pick up a guitar, I'll start playing something and I think it's so original, but it's really just this stored piece of musical information that I've just pulled Mm -hmm. from back out. And, um. Usually it does start with like a one-liner. Like I'll be having conversations some days or, or reading a book. A lot of times it's reading uh, where just a single line will turn out to me. And from that, it's a, it, it, it evokes so much emotion mm-hmm. or an idea or a story or just uh, a time where I felt something similar. So mm-hmm. that's usually where it starts.
0: I've heard people say that there's really nothing new in the universe, but yet you can be inspired by mm-hmm. things that you never saw. Yeah. And then be- make it your own.
1: Yes. To share yeah. again with yeah. others. You Certainly. Know? Especially today in modern music. It's so saturated and there's so many different things and so many creative things and so many things that are exactly similar, but everybody's influenced by everyone. I mm-hmm. don't think anyone will be completely original. Right. And but that's the that's the musical experience is sharing everything anyway. Mm-hmm. So well, I hope people will—I um, I just
0: Googled you Dustin Gaspar, and mm-hmm. it's D-U-S-T-I-N, and your last name is G-A-S-P-A-R-D. Yes, ma'am. And so if they just type that in, your website mm-hmm. comes website up, come and right they can up. not only hear some of your new work, but also the music you've done with um, what's it, uh, DG and the Freetown Sound, yep. which DG is you. <laughs> yep. But it's really fun
1: music. Mm-hmm. It's fun, a great party, website. Party, rock and roll. Yeah, thanks.
0: Yeah, thanks. yeah. And I, I just want the best for you. Thank just you. Wish that you means the best a lot to me.
1: success. I appreciate that. I've had so many people in my corner for so long. And um, for this record, since it's, it's so special and so important to me, mm-hmm. I'm just cashing it all in. And I, I appreciate all the help we can get uh, just to get it listened to.
0: Well, as we wind down, um, I want to thank our sponsors and then we're going to get in something about your album again, but I'd like to thank our sponsors that make discover Lafayette possible. First, I'd like to thank Oxner, Lafayette general, home bank, the facet group, and, of course, Raider and Jason Sikora, who mixes our tape. Thank you so much. You can hear Dustin Gaspar's interview, along with about 250 or 55 others, at discoverlafayette.net. We hope you'll go to the website, check out all the guests. And also, if you haven't, please subscribe to the podcast. You can get it wherever you get your podcast. And as we're winding down, Dustin, I had asked you for permission to end our show mm-hmm. with Take Me With You. That's your lead single. And from what your website said, it's a fierce love letter to the swamps of Cajun country and the people who make it home. So why don't we close with that? Absolutely. Thank you all for listening. Thank
1: you.
3: Coffee milk and sunrises That old heaven root bowl Childhood of tree climbing Stories of Vietnam Bless your feet in the soul grass Whistling swamp pop gold Catching fish watch the birds pass Taught me all that I know All that I can hope is You take me with you when you go Guess I should've known. I can't leave with you when you go. I miss the melody of your cackling laugh. From your chest when I hurt myself, gossip cross the cane when you disagree. But hearing those words were like hymns to me. All that I can hope is you take me with you when you go. Yes, I should have known I can't leave with you when you go Now cow, Island is awfully quiet With your screen door staying closed And if I learned French like you told I said, I'm praying for your bone. Take me with you when you go. I said, I'm praying for you bow. Take me with you when you go. I said, I'm praying for you bone. Take me with you when you go. I said, I'm praying for your bone. Take me with you when you go. I said, I'm praying for you bone. Take me with you when you go. I said, I'm praying for your you you bone. You